Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Inner Life. This is our program about spiritual direction, looking at different aspects of our faith life, how we can understand what we practice in our faith and be able to live that out so that we can grow closer to Christ, so that we can know him better, so that we can have the hope of eternity. Uh, That's what this program is all about. So glad to have you tuning in today here. And as we do begin the program today, let me ask you, when's the last time that you were in a hospital or maybe in a nursing home? With COVID, you know, there have been all these different changes in the access that we have to these types of medical facilities. If you have a parent or maybe a grandparent in a nursing home or at an assisted living facility, has it been extremely limited with the visits that you can make? Or maybe you haven't been able to have any visits at all. And if you have been in a hospital, has it been because of COVID or was it for a different reason? Were you visiting someone else there? You know, it used to be much easier to go and visit someone in the hospital. Um, Now, you know, for our family, if we're taking somebody to the doctor, only one parent is allowed. Can't have both mom and dad there. Everybody has to be wearing masks. You're not admitted into different medical facilities without a reason, without an appointment. But, you know, I've known people who don't like hospitals. There's this one woman I remember talking to, and she told me how she didn't like the smells, she didn't like the pale fluorescent lights, the sterile environment, but most of all, she really didn't like being in the atmosphere of where other people were sick or they were in discomfort. The idea of so many people all suffering for different reasons, but all gathered together there in that one building under one roof, This was too much for her to handle. It was more than she wanted to process. So she avoided hospitals as much as she could. She just wanted to avoid being around that suffering. Now, suffering, it's one of those things that we all have to deal with at different points in our life. It's part of that human experience. At some point, probably many points throughout your life, you will experience pain and suffering. And it reminds me of This line from the movie The Princess Bride and the main female character, Princess Buttercup, she's being kidnapped, uh, and this is fairly early in the movie, by this other person, the Dread Pirate Roberts. And they pause as he's been kind of marching her across the countryside, stealing her away from where she was. They have this heated exchange, and Princess Buttercup, she believes that the Dread Pirate Roberts, that he has killed her one true love, Westley. And when the Dread Pirate Roberts seems to belittle her grief over the loss of Wesley, she snaps at him, saying that he's mocking her pain. Well, the Dread Pirate Roberts, he responds quickly and he says, Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And even in the scriptures, in our Bible, one of the, the deposits of the faith for us, we see and we read this sort of message again and again. 
if we're followers of Christ, we will suffer. We will experience pain. We will be persecuted. But it's also pretty natural then to ask that big question, why? Why does God allow so much suffering in our lives? And even more than that, why do we need to endure that suffering? You know, the enduring part. (laughs) When we see an animal in pain, when they're suffering, and there's no real way to heal them, then we end their suffering. You know, I remember hearing stories from my dad. He ended up, he grew up on this cattle ranch that was in Idaho. And with all the cows along with the other animals on their farm, he was used to this idea of having to end the life of an animal if they were seriously sick or if they were injured. And of course, you know, a cattle ranch, they butchered the the cows for meat. Um, You know, they'd have chickens that they would kill for food as well. There was one story that I actually remember him telling, and this was when he was an an adult. He was no longer there on the ranch. And he ended up working for the immigration service. This was in California, and this would have been back in the, the 1970s. And now the immigration service is kind of this border patrol, but it was with plainclothes officers. So my dad, he didn't wear a uniform. He drove an unmarked car. And one day as he's driving down a highway out in the country, the car that he happened to be following, it had a deer that darted out in front of it. And sure enough, that car in front of my father's car, it struck the deer. And that driver, he pulled over very quickly. And my dad, seeing what had happened, he pulled over to offer any help if it was needed. And my father said that this man that was driving the car that hit the deer, he was a bit shaken up. And so he got out of his car and they both walked over to where that deer was lying on the side of the road. It was still alive, but it was in very bad shape with some broken legs, probably internal bleeding. And the man who was driving the other car, he pointed down to the deer and said, he just came out of nowhere. I didn't have time to swerve. I I, I didn't have a chance to try and get out of his way and miss him. And my dad, he said, yeah. He nodded. And since he grew up on that cattle ranch, he knew what needed to happen next. And he said, well, we better not let it suffer. And so he reached under his jacket and drew his gun out of his shoulder holster and he shot the deer. And my dad said that he didn't really think much of it. It was just part of his upbringing. And he'd already walked back to his car. He didn't say anything after putting the deer out of its suffering. He'd driven away before he realized, I didn't really give any sort of explanation. This man, who was already a bit shaken up from hitting the deer, my father didn't give that explanation as to why he was carrying a concealed weapon. (laughs) And so it became one of those stories that, you know, he'd tell occasionally. But that attitude, what my father said, we better not let it suffer. That's something that we do say with animals. It's time to put them down or it's time to put them to sleep. And, you know, some humans, some people have tried to say that this is how we should deal with suffering for humans as well. Euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide. These are now held up by some in society as the merciful or the humane options for someone dealing with a life-threatening disease. But our faith, it says that this is the wrong attitude. This is the wrong approach to suffering. So how should we handle suffering? How do you handle suffering? That's what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life, how we can make sense of the suffering that we face in our lives. Helping us to take a look at suffering, 
have that better understanding of why God allows it, of how we can approach it, of what God is trying to use it for in our lives. Our spiritual director for this hour of The Inner Life is Father Carter Griffin. Griffin, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. And uh, Father Griffin, it's so good to have you back on the program today. Uh, pretty pretty uh, <laughs> hefty topic that we're diving into here with suffering. Are you ready for some tough questions this hour? I'll do my best. Good to be back. Thank you. Well, and to start off, you know, one of the questions I just mentioned a moment ago, uh, kind of the big question, why does God allow suffering? Uh, I think this is probably a good place to start. You know, it's a question I've heard again and again from atheists or others who might have objections to the church or to religion in general. Why would a good and loving God allow suffering? And, you know, when I think of that question, uh, you know, as an adult, well, some of it we might bring upon ourselves. You know, it might be easier to kind of justify our suffering, at least on the surface, when we're talking about somebody who's at a certain age. But then if you look at a child, especially a young child, someone who we all might look at and say, oh, they're so innocent, you know, they're so pure, they're so young. But if they're suffering unfairly, you know, if they're going through uh, cancer treatments, if they die at a young age, if they're born in parts of the world where their life is almost certainly going to be filled with suffering. You know, young people who are forced into slavery or prostitution or, you know, there's genocide that's happening in different parts of the globe. All of these, how can we try and understand why God would allow that suffering in these instances? I mean, all instances, Father, but, you know, these are the ones that seem to be the toughest to reconcile. Yeah. Well, it is. It's sort of the million-dollar question. I remember <clears throat> I was in a, uh, in a kind of a public debate with, a, with an atheist a number of years ago, and, and he kept going back to this, and I understood why. You know, I mean, it's like this is, this is really kind of where uh, believers are tested uh, most severely, is in the, in, the, in the suffering of the innocent. Uh, and the claims that we have that we believe uh, that, 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 that the universe is governed by, by a good, wise, and all-powerful God. And they, they would just understandably say that that's simply a contradiction. You cannot say both of those in the same breath. And um, I mean, I think, by the way, one thing just kind of a, as a side note is to say, like, everyone has to deal with this problem, whether you're, right, right. you know, any, any religion or you're an atheist or an agnostic or whatever you are. I mean, at some point, there has to be some way of dealing with suffering. Um, and, but the Christian does, too. And I think it's a, it's a fair question. So, I mean, I think the way that I would go about this is... Um, is to do it maybe a couple of things. The first one is just uh, to say that it's important that we not kind of um, try to dismiss or, 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 you know, get rid of the question too quickly. Um, and, and to say like, you know, that it's not always going to be a kind of um, whatever, kind of easy answer. Um, you know, that, that, that we have to make sure that we are respecting kind of this very sacred and difficult place where people are when they're suffering. And just to sort of have some, glib answer that we say, you know, it's, it's oh, it's just because of original sin, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's some truth to that. There's a theological truth to that. But, but that doesn't help you when you're trying to understand, you know, uh, how, how can we have an all-good God and see this little child suffer, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to go maybe a little bit deeper than that, um, or broader than that, perhaps, is the right way to think about it. And to say, you know, uh, St. Augustine, I think, said it best, and he said something, I'm kind of paraphrasing now, but he said, the fact is that God would never permit any suffering unless he were to draw a greater good from it, you know? Uh, and, and, and not just him, many, many people have said that. But that, that idea that, that God is precisely a sign of his power, his sovereignty, and his goodness, that if he does permit suffering, even the most inexplicable suffering from our point of view, 
that he has a greater plan, that he has a plan that it, as long as we continue to cooperate with it, more good will come, way more good will come than, than, than the evil. And, of course, the ultimate example of this is the, is the execution of somebody who is even more innocent than the most innocent child who is Jesus yeah. himself. You know? And that's something, not just something, but the best of all goods, our redemption, came from that. That doesn't mean that we can kind of neatly explain it away, but it does mean that we can continue to believe and, and have this, this powerful faith that, that the Lord has given us in the goodness of God together with suffering. Now, having said that, I would also say one other, maybe one other thing, which is that we do see even in our own lives um, that suffering, while obviously very difficult and extreme suffering, very difficult, can yield a lot of good even as we look back on our lives. You know, we think back on to some of the most difficult times in our life, and very often we look at those as the times when we grew the most, the times when our maybe our love was purified the most, perhaps even the capacity of our heart to love was expanded the most. And so we sort of see that God, in his mysterious way, you know, will bring will bring good out of it. And and at the end of the day, of course, we know what Jesus that 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 his own sufferings are to be in a sense, echoed in our own life, that we, that we are to carry our cross, as he says, and follow him, um, and that in, in doing that, we somehow are united um, to his own sufferings and to his own passion, and just as his own passion sort of exploded in the, in the wonder of the resurrection and the pouring out of grace, so too can our sufferings be redemptive. And, um, you know, so I think that's an important, that kind of focusing in, and we can talk a little bit more about all these things, but but the redemption, the, the, the capacity of suffering to, to be redemptive is, like, I think, the unique Christian note in our understanding of suffering. And, um, and it's, a very, it's a very powerful way to yoke suffering to something. To, it gives purpose to suffering. And, you know, many times I've visited with people in the hospitals that you were just talking about, and boy, when their eyes can be opened to the fact that their suffering is something that can actually you know, be at the service of others and bring an, an, an amazing amount of grace into the world, sort of oftentimes their, their approach to suffering changes entirely, because now there's a reason for it, uh, and there is a reason for it, and that is, is one of the great messages of the good news. Yeah, you know, a couple of things that you said. Uh, number one, you just said, you know, having that purpose to suffering, and that kind of ties back to the quote that you mentioned from St. Augustine, being, you know, God wouldn't allow us to go through suffering if he wasn't able to draw a greater good from it. And one time that I remember with my second daughter, her name is Anya, and we had taken her into the doctor and she was just, had a, a fever that was just going up and up. And uh, my wife and I, we were getting quite concerned. And so we took her in and she ended up having croup. That was what the, the end diagnosis was. But as she's there, when we took her in, they had to, oh, she was, I don't know, maybe, uh, I would guess somewhere around maybe a year, year and a half old at the time, you know, fairly small. And they needed to do this x-ray to look and see what was happening in her lungs. And there was this kind of transparent plastic uh, apparatus that they needed to put on her. And to put her in this plastic apparatus, it went around her whole chest and her whole midsection, but her arms had to go straight up. And 
she looked so uncomfortable. And the whole time that we're trying to get her in this contraption here so that they can take these x-rays and have everything stretched out as much as possible in her uh, diaphragm there, she's just screaming. You know, she already yeah. has the fever. She's coughing and screaming. And, and she's not able to see, as you talk about with St. Augustine, are we going to draw a greater good from this this ordeal that I'm going through right now? And so for Anya, she she had no concept and no knowledge that all of this is actually for your benefit. And it's going to help you in the long run. And I think for us, when we're going through suffering, it can be very similar. You know, we're, we're going through this and we're saying, oh, this is miserable right now. Why am I going through this? Why is this being allowed to happen? Because we don't know what that greater good is, what that, you know, there's that, the, the common cliche, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, or, you know, you can look back and you can see God's hand at work. In the moment, it's so difficult, Father. Right, right. No, I think that's exactly right. And, and you know, and, 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 we're not, and we have to be able to say we're not always going to see it. You know, I mean, you can look back on that and she can look back on that and say, yeah, no, that, I'm, glad, I'm glad you did that, you know. Uh, and there will be times when we can look back and, and tell the Lord, I'm glad you did that. You know, that's exactly what I needed. But there will be things, and there will be things that we witness in ourselves and others where we just won't have the full picture yet. Um, and, you know, I think one important thing to remember um, is that, and this is, I think, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a key um, way to inoculate our, ourselves against one of, the, one of the sort of the main dogmas of the, of the secular age, which is that, the worst thing in life is not suffering. The worst thing in life is separation from God. It's sin. Um, and that we know that as soon as we say it, we know it as Christians, we know it. But we have to remind ourselves of that because we're surrounded by a culture that says the worst thing in life is suffering. And your goal right. in life, your purpose in life is to avoid all suffering at any time, at any cost. Well, there's even um, versions of Christianity that, you know, kind of the health and wealth or the prosperity yeah, gospels sure. out there that they'll even say if if you are suffering, if you don't have, you know, a six-figure salary and you don't have the three or four cars that you want in your garage, if you don't have a swimming pool in the backyard, you must be doing something wrong. God is not blessing you because you are sinful or because you don't have enough faith. But again, that just, that flies in the face of so much that we see from Christ, from St. Paul and his writings. You know, the, it really is a twisting of God's uh, revelation to us in his word and through what we've learned from the apostles. Yeah, that's right. I, I remember hearing um, a helpful expression, uh, which is that God does not remove suffering from our lives, but he does hollow it. You know, he does make it, he does sanctify it. Uh, and, and that's an important distinction, I think, as well for us. Um, I heard once, I don't know if it's true, but St. Faustine, I think, somewhere said that the angels envy uh, human beings two things. One is Holy Communion, and the other is suffering, <laughs> because in suffering we can engage, we can participate mm -hmm. in the work of redemption, and we can share uh, in the suffering of Christ. But um, in any event, it certainly, <clears throat> whether whether or not she said it, it certainly is a very thought-provoking, and I think yeah. kind of a true statement. Yeah, no, I, I, I hadn't heard that. I, I'd heard the first part before. I hadn't heard the, the part about suffering. Our spiritual director today, Father Carter Griffin, he's a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and we're talking about suffering. How do we make sense of the suffering that we go through in our lives? And when have you had to face suffering? And how did you rely on God while you were going through it? How did making it through your suffering draw you closer to Christ? Maybe right now you are going through that suffering 
That's the season in your life, and you're looking for maybe some advice, some help. And that's why uh, Father Griffin is here as our spiritual director today to talk with you. So our phone lines are open right now, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can email us at innerlife@relevantradio.com, and we'll continue talking about... Uh, this really difficult subject of suffering, but how we can make sense of it. That'll uh, be more of this conversation right after the break here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life today, and I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and today we're talking about the issue of suffering and how we can make sense of that, how we can understand why God allows suffering in our lives, and more importantly, what can we do when we face those moments of suffering, and how do you face suffering in your life? How have you relied on God's grace and God's help when you're going through that? How did you make it through And that suffering, did it draw you closer to Christ? And maybe you are going through something right now, and there's something that you'd like to ask Father Griffin about. Get a little bit of help. Get some advice. And that's why he's our spiritual director, and our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, uh, we kind of talked in big terms and uh, dove into that question of why does God allow suffering? You know, why does a good and loving God allow suffering in our world? When we're facing the suffering, uh, is it okay to ask the question, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Or, you know, the, uh, Job in the Old Testament, the story of Job, you know, everybody talks about, oh, the patience of Job. I don't, I don't know if there's the patience of Job, but boy, he he really tried to have that trust and, you know, had that, that uh, response of, even though he slay me, I will trust him, you know. Uh, but he finally does get to a point where at the end of that story, he, he does question God. And God kind of puts him in his place. Is it okay for us to question God when we're going through those difficult moments? You know, I mean, I think God wants us to treat him uh, like the father that he is. And I think um, no father would, I think, sort of think less of his child for asking why, you know, why, why I'm being forced to, you know, into this plastic thing so that they can get, you know, the x-rays done, whatever. I mean, it's, you know, any, any child who asks the question, I think under, there, there's a way of, under, of asking it, which, which really is one of, of, really it's an expression of trust. Right, and when we ask God in that way, you know, why why am I suffering here? What is it? Should I be doing something different? Am I causing my own suffering? Is there something you want me to learn that I haven't learned yet? And even to ask for that, that the suffering be taken away from us, like our Lord did uh, in the garden. I mean, is is obviously again how a child treats his father. There's another way that is, which is really one of um, which I think is not helpful for us, and that's the one that that's the kind of the way of asking which. 
the suggestion is that he's doing something wrong, you right. know, that, that he's made a mistake here, and that, and that you really are rejecting the cross. Obviously, that's not, you know, how a Christian should behave. But, I mean, I think that there's an awful lot of room for us to, to, to sort of wrestle a little bit with God and asking why this is happening. But then at the end of the day, like our Lord did in the garden, to say, but not my will, but thine be done. I mean, that is our call. And he will give us the grace to be able to say that. Uh, so sometimes it may feel like we, we don't have it, but it may be because we haven't really asked for the grace to be able to bear this particular cross. You know, we always, you know, we say we want the cross and we want to follow Jesus, but then sometimes, you know, as they have heard it said before, you know, we want to choose the wood. <laughs> and he's going to choose that wood for us, you know, and it's going to be the best one for us. And we have, at some level, we have to trust that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, one of the things that I, I constantly go back to uh, is where St. Paul is writing to Timothy, and I think it's in his second epistle, um, and he, he says, you know, if we endure, then we shall reign, you know, and there is that, you know, do, we got to get through it. <laughs> we got to make it right. through this life first, and, uh, and again, you know, the more familiar you are with the, the New Testament, you know, whether it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, you know, don't be surprised or shocked when they revile you and speak all kinds of bad things about you. They spoke this way about the prophets, you know, rejoice and be glad, rejoice and be glad when you're persecuted, when you are going through that suffering. That's a difficult thing to do, to have that attitude of rejoicing. What what do you think is a way that we can kind of get ourselves disposed to have that attitude of rejoicing when we are persecuted or when we are going through suffering? Well, you know, I, th- I think part of the, the context for that is, first of all, how we approach suffering itself. And I, I, I think that there are a lot of, there's a lot of sort of stuff, I don't know how to, I don't mean to sound disrespectful to the, to, to the Old Testament, but I mean, there's a lot of the Old Testament way of thinking about some of this that, that Christians can exhibit. You know, so I did everything right. You know, I went to church every Sunday. I raised my children where I was supposed to, and now I'm dealing with this kind of suffering. Mm, right. Why, you know, why, oh, why, God? You know, and... That's really what, what is implicit in that statement is this idea that as long as I check off all these boxes, and maybe with the best of intentions and an open heart, then I'm going to live a carefree or at least not you know, a life without serious suffering. And nowhere, nowhere does Jesus promise that. You know, in fact, he sort of says the opposite over and over again. Yeah. And so if we approach our sufferings with that kind of an attitude and sort of say, like, well, you know, this is kind of part of life, and this is not the end, you know, I mean, there are much worse things that can happen to me in this life, above all separation from God. And I don't live for this life alone. There is also a life to come, and that will be a life without suffering. If we start from that approach, I think it's much easier then to rejoice in the sufferings that we do receive. I, I, will, I will say that this is a work of grace, and we have to be also kind of understanding with ourselves, and, and but also to know where the goal is, right? And, and the goal mm-hmm. is not just to throw up our hands and say that's you know, to rejoice in sufferings, that's just for the great saints. You know, that's not for little old me. And that's not true. Like, God wants us to give us that grace, and many, many humble souls have, have grown so much, you know, in, in love of our Lord and trust of our Lord, knowing He's the best of fathers, that at the end of the day they can say, you know, I actually rejoice in this, I actually rejoice in this suffering. And, and that's not an, an impossible ideal. Our spiritual director is Father Carter Griffin, and we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149 as we talk about suffering and how we can understand the suffering that we go through in our lives. And more important than just understanding it is how we can then take that 
and use it for the glory of God. We can build up the kingdom through the suffering that we experience. Unite it to Christ. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go to Julie, who's listening out in central Minnesota. Hi, Julie. You're on the air here on The Inner Life today. Thank you. Um, I've gotten the feedback from our parish that we've been encouraging to them. Um, I've got two children that are severely disabled, and then my husband also went through brain cancer. Um, so one, being carrying your own cross for it to be revealed to you either this life or the next of how you've been able to encourage others. Um, when we've had our hospitalizations with the kids, we end up going to a children's hospital. And just being there and going, the, what we're dealing with is so minimal. It's not life and death. It's not prolonged hospitalizations. So getting a chance to see the other children has been a great encouragement to me. Um, so that's one, carrying your own cross, two, getting encouraged from other ones. And then um, third, when when my kids started out real little with it, um, they had to do take blood um, like from the scalp because they couldn't get a vein. And my husband was just like, first reaction was like, I can't handle this. I'm going to leave the room. And she's like, no, she will feel better because you are here. You know, and how much closer is God to us during our suffering? So those are the things I wanted to add. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for your call. And um, sounds, <laughs> sounds like there's something going on in the background there, but those were just, those were really beautiful points. I yeah. want to make a quick uh, sort of statement about the, that second one, especially, and, and the witness of others. And granted, seeing the sufferings of others can, can also kind of remind us and put things in proportion for us. But also kind of the other part of witness is, you know, to see other people um, bear their sufferings well can be uh, an enormous source of strength for us. Uh, and I think the reminder for that is that, you know, that we can then be uh, a witness to others when we're going through some suffering. And, and I have no doubt that the way that you um, and your family are coping with some of these uh, crosses has been an enormous testimony to, to other people. And you're exactly right also about that other point, you know, that, that God is closest to us. You know, I, mean, I think about Simon of Cyrene, you know, the closest he ever was to Jesus, and he became a Christian later on, and the closest he ever was was when he was carrying that cross, and he was right next to Jesus face-to-face. And, um, and I think to remember that in those moments of suffering, and, and examples like yours and, and your husband's are kind of more of a long-term kind of suffering, which can be sometimes the hardest than sort of the short, intense forms of suffering. But whether it's short and intense or long and enduring, you know, to know that God is very close to us in those moments. So thank you for your call, Julie. Yeah, Julie, um, and, and, you know, thinking about going through this suffering, one of the things that you mentioned during our first uh, segment of the program, Father, you talked a little about redemptive suffering, but I remember hearing, I don't know how many years ago, but basically that all of the suffering that we go through in our lives, it, it all has this redemptive aspect to it. And you talked about how that redemptive suffering, we're uniting our sufferings to Christ. Um, you know, the, the common phrase that I think a lot of cradle Catholics have heard growing up, you know, oh, offer it up, offer up that suffering. How do we approach suffering in a manner where we will be able to unite it to Christ? You know, it, it, talking about it beforehand, before we're in that 
moment where all of a sudden, okay, now it's the difficult point. Talking about it beforehand, it might sound like, yeah, that's what I should do. But it might not be so easy in that moment. In that moment, we might get so self-absorbed or self-focused. How can we kind of reset our attitude so that we say, okay, it's not just all about me. I want to unite this to Christ. Any advice on that for our listeners? Well, I mean, I think one thing is to do what you were just sort of suggesting, which is, I think it is important to think about it in advance. We can't just sort of leave this, well, I'll deal with suffering when I actually have some, you know, some serious suffering. And that's not the right time. I mean, to really prepare for this in advance means to think about it, and even more importantly, to pray about it, right? And and that that kind of, those habits of prayer, which when we're not in in intense suffering, we can, you know, for example, this is one of the classic reasons for praying the Stations of the Cross, is really really immersing ourselves in the passion of our Lord, experiencing His suffering, and knowing that it's an invitation for us to share our sufferings with Him. If we have the habit of, of praying, you know, with the passion and in the passion and with our Lord in those moments, when we do have our own suffering, we'll be much, much better equipped than if we're just kind of dealing with this for the first time. Um, it still means that we have to kind of deliberately make that choice. Um, you know, John Paul II said that Jesus' sufferings were not a punishment, but a mission. You know, sometimes people think of it as like, this is the Father punishing Jesus. It, it could be further from the truth. The fact is, this was, his, this was Jesus' um, opportunity to show his love for us and to extend himself completely. No greater love has a man than this than he laid out his life for his friends. So it was an act of perfect obedience and perfect love. But it was a mission, and obviously Jesus accepted his mission. But we're given that mission, too, when we have these sufferings. And, you know, we can choose to see it as a punishment, which it isn't necessarily, unless it is, unless, you know, it's something that we've brought on ourselves. But, um, but, it's, but it's a mission, and we can say yes or no to that. And so we prepare ourselves in advance through reflection and through prayer. And then as we go into whatever the suffering might be, or suddenly we get the the bad news on the phone, or we get into the accident, or something happens to our child, or whatever it might be, you know, that's when we have to get on our knees and really beg for the grace um, to be able to accept this mission, you know, and to mm-hmm. and to make this suffering something redemptive, uh, and, and even something beautiful. Um, but that's going to take a little bit of, of spade work in advance. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. If, if we don't do that, that preparation beforehand, it's probably going to be much more difficult in the moment. Uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, Julie, a different Julie, who's listening out in Minneapolis. Hi, Julie. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Go um, ahead, you're on I the air. Have, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And hello, Father. Hi, Julie. I have a... Thank you. I have a daughter who is early 20s, and um, two years ago, uh, she had a miscarriage, and then about eight months later, her best friend died unexpectedly. And I cannot communicate well enough that, you know, that's part of God's plan. She only sees it as a punishment, and I know you were just speaking of that, but um, she's just so negative about the church now, and, you know, I would have been a good mother. Why was my baby taken from me? That kind of thing. And um, so I need, how can I get through to her (laughs) other than praying for her? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it's a, I'm glad you called because I think a lot of people have this question. You know, like, how do I, I mean, I, 
I'm at a point where I can sort of at least have the faith to trust God enough when I see this suffering, but, but maybe somebody that I love isn't. So how can I somehow convey that? I mean, I do think it, it's not a, it's not just a kind of a glib throwaway thing, but I think, you know, it does begin with prayer, you know, and sacrifice ourselves, you know, that we, that we truly believe in the power of prayer to change hearts. And so praying for her, as I know you are, you know, maybe offering some small sacrifices for her, um, being a witness yourself in coping with whatever sufferings you may be dealing with, you know, these are all kind of part of it. Um, but I think in terms of the actual sort of conversation with her, uh, I think two things might be helpful. One is uh, actually what kind of Josh was doing earlier, to sort of show the analogy in our, in, in our own lives. You know, that, that oftentimes parents do understand things more than children, and we don't understand the mind of God. Uh, and the difference between us and the mind of God is infinitely greater than that between a parent and a young child. So to know that, there, that it's not irrational to say that there may be good things going on that we just don't understand. Who, who, knows, what, who knows what those are, and sometimes it may seem so impossible that, that God will you know, that that somehow works into God's, you know, greater and good providence. But there has to be a level of trust in that. And maybe using that analogy can help. And then the other thing is, you know, I think oftentimes, depending on where she is, um, is reading the lives of the saints, you know, that these are these chosen sort of friends of God. Um, and very often they suffered far more than, than any of us, you know, on this call uh, will suffer. And so to know that it's not as if an easy life is the reward for kind of being close to God or being a good Christian or a good Catholic, um, but that, in fact, suffering is a part of life, and the difference is what we make of the suffering. And so, to, to, and, and maybe, you know, the third thing is sort of to see that, that there, she's got a kind of a choice. There's a fork in the road here uh, as to how she's going to do this, and it can, it can lead her down a place of darkness and bitterness, and it can also lead her into an open place of trust and love, you know, and like, She's sort of in that in that period of where she's making some of these decisions, and to know that there's some very you know that the Lord is going to give her the grace to do that, but He's not going to He's not going to force her. He never does. He never forces any of us. You know, maybe giving her some of those thoughts might be might be helpful. You know, another thing, Julie, that um, at an old parish that our family attended, uh, they would have a memorial mass that would be offered for parents who had lost a child through miscarriage or stillbirth or, you know, those different types of things. And that might be something where your daughter might be able to talk with some other mothers who have gone through similar circumstances, and they might have some more years between what they went through in that miscarriage and where they are now and being able to maybe make some more sense and see the good that God might have been able to bring out of that. And one of the things I remember even from my own mom, uh, my father passed away years ago and uh, my mom was in her 40s when my father passed away. And, you know, at that time she was going through the difficulty, the grief, you know, there was that, that anguish that she was suffering there. And I'm sure she asked, you know, why? Why would you take my husband at such a young age? But she also was able then to take her experience and use it as an opportunity to encourage other uh, women who found themselves recently widowed. You know, and it took some years for her to get to that point. It wasn't like she was out there three months later being an encouragement to women who were also widowed. Um, So there's going to probably be 
some time that's going to have to pass here for your daughter, but know that she'll be in our prayers. And I know there's so many people listening right now to Julie that will keep your daughter in their prayers as well, um, that she is able to eventually understand uh, in a better sense, have that trust as well, you know, that God does mean this for the best, that for whatever reason, and, you know, my wife and I, we've had uh, a few miscarriages as well that we've gone through. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think for us, we've said children are a gift. It's not, it's not that any of us are ever owed children. You know, it's not something, even though society might say that, (laughs) they really are a gift and we are the caretakers of them while they're in our homes and uh, we just try and do our best with whatever God gives us. And so sorry for uh, going kind of on a soapbox there, Father, but uh, again, our spiritual director here, Father Carter Griffin and our studio line 888-914-9149 as we're taking your phone calls and talking about suffering. When have you gone through that suffering? How did it help draw you closer to Christ, making it through? How did you rely on God's help, God's grace? And maybe you are going through that suffering right now, just like Julie was talking about with her daughter. Again, you can call and share your story or ask a question to Father Griffin at 888-914-9149, More coming up after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our Spiritual Director, Father Carter Griffin, a priest in the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and today talking about suffering and uh, how we can make sense of it, but also how we can look at that suffering and uh, make more than just what it is at the moment, how we can unite it to Christ, how we can be able to take that and allow it to draw us close to Christ, but also experience that redemptive aspect of it so that we can offer our suffering for others, for their needs, for their salvation. Again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. And uh, Father, let's go back to the phones. We've got uh, Teresa, who's listening in Bakersfield, California. Hi, Teresa. You're on the air with Father Griffin. Hi, thank you so much. Hi, Teresa. Hi. Go ahead. Um, I'm, I'm calling about a, a lady that I met, and we, we exchanged phone numbers, so I'll be able to call her back and let her know what whatever you can share. But... Um, she uh, she was suffering and asking for prayers. Her son has cerebral palsy and was going through a really tough stage of of screaming a lot. And it's um, she's been driven to depression. And it's hard. It's her husband, herself, and and their son. And um, she was just she was asking for prayers and then was in tears. So we did connect her with her local parish priest. This was. This was out of town, but um, uh, but just hearing your t- topic today made me think of of her, and she was saying how much he was suffering, and uh, so I could tell also that that his parents were suffering. So I just 
wanted to see if there were any thoughts that you can share with me that I can pass along to her. Sure, Teresa. Thank you um, for the call and um, for conveying that. I think it's, uh, as, as we've already said a couple times on the show today, that oftentimes the suffering of others is really an opportunity and it's a reminder uh, for all of us to be praying, you know, because I think there is uh, a, a powerful um, aid that is given when we have the community um, praying. And, and we have people all around the country now praying for you and for uh, your friend and her husband and, of course, their son. You know, I think one of the points that has also been made a couple of times is that sometimes the keenest um, suffering that we experience is really when someone that we love is suffering. And, and I, you know, I think oftentimes parents suffer even more than their children. Um, and that might be the case uh, for her and for her husband. Um, so I think the first is, is kind of just recognize, I mean, you know, I think depression sometimes happens because we sort of think there's something wrong with us and that we're not supposed to be sad, you know? And so you have this kind of inner conflict because like, I'm sad, but I'm not supposed to be sad. And rather than acknowledging the sadness that, can, that, that is there, but we, we, we experience sadness as believers differently, right? That, that, that sadness is something that actually is a form of suffering, which can be still united to, to the suffering of Christ. There's still a, a reason and a purpose and a mission behind, uh, behind that kind of suffering as well. And so knowing that her own sadness on behalf of her son is something that, that our Lord can, when she offers it with him and through him, um, can redeem and, and can draw a great deal of good out of it. I think another thing that needs to be said here, uh, and, it's, and it's sort of similar to one, the, the second Julie that we spoke to earlier, is that there's a, there's a role for the larger community to play as well. I'm glad you put her in, put her in touch with the, with the parish priest, and I hope he in turn puts her in touch with someone. Who can be? Who can provide maybe a wider uh, network of people that can be supportive, uh, physically supportive and spiritually supportive, and um, that sometimes I think one of the goods that God wants to bring out of evil is precisely sort of evoking charity in others. You know, calling forth charity in others. We see this all the time with children suffering. You know, that oftentimes it draws out charity even of the most hardened hearts around them. Um, and so if this, in a, in a communal sense, can, can be done, that somehow to have people in the parish family supporting other people in the parish family uh, is, is a beautiful expression of the kind of the, of, of the Catholicity and the unity of the Church um, and the charity that should, that should be reflected in its members. So I think those are maybe a couple of things to mention to her, but, um, but to, have, to, have it, to have like sort of it branch out into having other people assisting, sometimes having one other or two other or ten other people helping you can do more, um, can do more to, to bear our sufferings well than anything else. Teresa, we appreciate your call here on The Inner Life today, and I hope that's helpful. And Father, uh, we're getting towards the end of the hour, but let's go to Sister Elizabeth, who is calling us from Los Angeles. Hi, Sister. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to share that my belief in redemptive suffering has helped me so much in my life, even my perseverance in my vocation as a consecrated religious you know, Jesus, when he came to be one of us in every way except sin, suffering and dying, he sanctified suffering. He made it holy. And the fact that no matter what happens to me in my life, when offered to Christ, even my sins that I have repented of can be a source of grace has been my strength. And I just wanted to share, and I know I've repeated it other times when I've called in, so Josh, please forgive me <laughs> if I'm repeating myself. But it's so, I think, important, it was for me to understand 
there was a priest that I, um, I heard of the story of a man who was in the mafia and he did terrible things to people and he repented and he, he converted and he, he came to the Catholic faith, but he would always bring up his past sins uh, when he went to confession. And when, and finally, uh, Father told him, every time you feel sorry for what you've done, every time you feel ashamed, you feel pain, you offer that back to God for someone out there who's about ready to do what you did, that they won't do it. How awesome is that? <laughs> Even our sins can be turned around. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you. That, yeah, thank you, sister. No, that's so true. You know, I think one of the things that um, we can think is that while this is a suffering, you know, the can- cancer or the child suffering or whatever, this is something that is clearly from God's will. It's not his permissive will, at least, and it's not something. That, but if I bring it on myself, well, then I just deserve it. And then that suffering can no longer be re- re- uh, redeemed. And that's not true, right? I mean, if, if we, if, uh, you know, the bank robber gets caught and he's in jail, he's suffering, he can still offer that suffering up, you know? I mean, that's how good our God is. Um, and so recognizing that there is no suffering that can't be sanctified, it can't be uh, made, ho- made, made holy, as you say, uh, and, and draw down a lot of graces for ourselves and for those around us. Uh, Father Griffin, in our last couple of minutes here, you know, as we're talking about the suffering, for us, you know, some, some suffering might just be lifelong. It might be something that we endure for the rest of our lives. But there are some sufferings that we go through that will just be for a season. But they will leave those deep scars or, or those wounds. But we can still heal to a degree. And so if we're done with whatever that trauma is, the thing that caused the suffering in the past, but we're kind of in that aftermath and we're trying to pick up the pieces, what are some good beginning steps so that we might be able to begin that healing process from the suffering that we've endured? And I, I know this might be more kind of the emotional fallout rather than emotional, or, or I'm sorry, more than physical um, that we're dealing with in most of these cases. Right, and that's why I think that's a good, good distinction to make. I mean, sometimes there's physical healing that needs to happen. There's psychological healing that needs to happen sometimes. And so there's a natural level of healing, you know, oftentimes, you know, receiving the support that we need. Um, I think friendships can be very healing, uh, good communication with those who love us and we know and that we love, you know, grieving well, basically. Um, but then there's the whole kind of supernatural side, which cannot be dispensed with, even if it's just physical suffering, there's still going to be some spiritual, maybe woundedness that needs to be healed. And that's really that kind of having that perspective of faith, the more supernatural outlook, you know, uh, prayer, you know, be, being close to Our Lady, who is the Queen of Martyrs and who understood suffering better than anyone other than her son. Uh, and the sacraments can be very healing here, you know, and right. um, the, the life of prayer and the sacraments. I mean, there's anointing, which is for physical suffering and, and sometimes miracles, and, but also, uh, also interior uh, healing. But then, you know, confession and the Eucharist are, are indispensable for people who are trying to recover. And if, and if necessary, to, to maybe see a priest or see somebody who can give some spiritual counsel as well. But there are a lot of resources out there that our Lord wants to give us to help us heal in the after effects of suffering. Father Carter Griffin, our spiritual director today, and Father, in our remaining about 10 seconds here, can I ask you to offer a final blessing for the hour for all of our listeners? I'd be very happy to. Josh, may the blessing of Almighty God descend upon you and those who produce this show and all those who are listening and their loved ones 
today and always, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Griffin, for being with us this hour. And uh, apologies, I know we had so many people who had called in. And uh, we'll, we'll tackle this topic again t- sometime in the near future. Uh, so thank you for calling in. Thank you for holding. Sorry we didn't get you on the air. Stay tuned. We do have Mass, as usual, coming up next. Father Looney is our celebrant today. And of course, uh, coming up tomorrow. We're going to continue talking about growing in our faith, and we're going to look at Christian friendships, what those mean to us. Hope you have a blessed afternoon.